Do you dream about people coming to your website and telling you, I cannot wait to work with you. I've been looking for this forever. I feel like I already know you. Can I please pay you to help me? Or maybe you just want to feel more confident when you sit down to write something for your business, knowing your words aren't just evaporating into the ether of the internet, but instead are connecting with your ideal customers. Look, after years as a freelance copywriter, I can very confidently tell you that no matter what business you're in, great copy turns words on the page into dollars in the bank, just like magic, which is why I want to make sure you know that my signature course copy class is currently open for enrollment. Now, here's the thing. You can hire a professional copywriter. But honestly, that could cost you thousands and it just doesn't make sense to hire someone every freaking time you need to write something for your business, which is why I specifically designed copy class for non-writers, entrepreneurs who want to learn to write their own high converting copy without breaking the bank or spending hours staring at the blinking cursor of death. Copy class covers everything you need to know from the psychology behind why certain writing works to honing in on your actual ideal customer, AKA people who are truly going to give you their monies to how to write a website that converts start to finish. And finally, how to send emails that convert and sell. So if you want to learn more about copy class, see what's inside and hear from past students, head to kelseyformost.com slash copy class. That's kelseyformost.com slash C-O-P-Y-C-L-A-S-S. Hey, magic makers, Kelsey Foremost here, host of Find Your Magic, the podcast where mental health, entrepreneurship, and now love and relationships meet. Today's conversation is vulnerable, brave, fun, exciting, terrifying, you name it. That's what this conversation with dating coach and therapist Kelsey Wonderlin is. Now, even if you are currently in a relationship or if you are single and not necessarily looking for a relationship, or if you like me are dipping your toe into the well of dating and maybe feel intimidated and scared, there is something for you in this conversation. A little bit of background. Kelsey is a licensed therapist and a dating coach who uses her background in psychology to help singles optimize their dating app bios to attract dream partners and repel the rest. I share a personal story in this episode, which you're about to hear about, um, <laughs> The bravery it took for me to finally actually open the dating app that I downloaded a month ago and it was just taunting me in the back of one folder and I was just way too intimidated to open it. I've never been on dating apps before and I came across Kelsey Wonderlin. I know we're both Kelsey. It's very confusing. I came across Kelsey's 
Instagram. And she was saying so many incredible things that made so much sense to me about really understanding what our own values are and really getting a handle on self-love and understanding what's important to us before we go out into the dating world. So we know what we're even looking for in the first place. And I ended up taking a, like a a mini class from her on dating app bios, because I was so intimidated by this idea of technology having any role in my love life. And you just have to tune into the episode to hear what happened, but, uh, suffice it to say, I have never felt more excited to date with intention because I know who I am so thoroughly now. And I love who I am so thoroughly now that I am so excited about what I'm going to be able to give to my future partner. And I'm so excited that I'm never going to abandon myself in the process of finding that person. So this conversation definitely goes deep, but it's also really fun. It's really light. Um, It's for everybody of all genders. Um, But I do want to say before we move into the conversation itself, that I have a soft, squishy, warm place in my heart for women listening to this because and it makes me choke up a little bit. So bear with me. Women are taught for our entire lives that we have to adjust ourselves to make ourselves more attractive to the world around us, whether it's to a romantic partner, whether it's to a boss or a job, whether it's to other women, we're constantly sold things all day, every day from childhood that we need to be prettier, um, thinner, whatever, fill in the blank er, that we're just not enough as we are. And my deep hope for not just this podcast, but all of the conversations that result from being brave and having brave conversations. My hope is that we continue to call that out and say, actually, I am enough. Actually, I'm going to focus on what I love about myself and lean into that and find people who appreciate the same things in me that I appreciate about myself. You are enough as you are. And dating is this weird, slippery slope because we think we have to make ourselves attractive to attract a partner when in reality, being yourself, being that full, brave, authentic, vulnerable human is the thing that's going to attract your dream partner. At least I hope so. So with that, listen to this conversation with an open heart and an open mind, um, and a lot of fun. I'm feeling really nervous, but like nervous, excited. I think Glennon Doyle uses the word skited, scared and excited. Um, 
to dig into this. So thanks for being here, Magic Maker. I know this episode isn't really about business, but you know, relationships really affect our day-to-day mental health and our mental health affects our ability to show up in our work and our purpose. So take that and enjoy this conversation with dating coach and therapist, Kelsey Wonderland. Kelsey, my fellow Kelsey. And we even spell it the same way, which is amazing. Oh man. Okay. What's your favorite bad Starbucks spelling that you've gotten so far? K-E-L-S-I. Oh, that's a funny one. Did they dot the I with a heart? (laughs) Probably. Yeah. (laughs) My favorite is K-E-L hyphen the letter C. Oh, you know, like high C. I have not. Yeah. I have not gotten that before. I was like, oh, is this like J-Lo, Kelsey? (laughs) Like totally going to take that and run with it. Thanks, Random Barista. (laughs) Yeah, I have not seen that before. Do people call you Kelly and Chelsea all the time? Oh, all the time. Chelsea is the (laughs) (laughs) one. For sure. Well, Kelsey, who spells it the correct way. No, I'm kidding. Thank you for being on Find Your Magic with me today. I'm- um, Yes, thank you for having me. Yeah, dude. I'm not going to lie. I am feeling, as Glennon Doyle puts it, skited, which is scared and excited at the same time, (laughs) because dating is a vulnerable, potentially not potentially it is, it's vulnerable. It's a vulnerable vulnerable. thing to talk about. Um, and it's something that isn't often talked about in the same breath as business. Mm-hmm. And the reason I wanted to, I mean, you know, I saw your profile. I immediately was like, hi, <laughs> do you want to be on my podcast? I really want to talk about this yeah. because I don't know if anybody else identifies out there. I'm guessing y'all do. I think relationships take up so much emotional space and energy mm-hmm. and resources and time. And it's stupid that we don't talk about the fact that of course that affects our ability to show up in our work. Of course Mm -hmm. that affects our creativity. Of course that affects our mental health. So Kelsey, why don't you just introduce us a little bit to the work that you're currently doing? I know you're also a therapist, so I'd love for people to have a little bit of a baseline going into this conversation. Sure. Yeah. So I am a licensed therapist, but, um, I recently started doing dating coaching as well because I've always been fascinated by relationships and had my fair share for sure of (laughs) unsuccessful, unsatisfying, and sometimes a little unhealthy relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, been there, done that, bought the (laughs) t-shirt. Yeah. (laughs) Bought the t-shirt. I love it, but nobody talks about it. Like you said. And so some of my, my last relationships before I met my now fiance were when I was literally in graduate school at Vanderbilt being trained to be a therapist. And it was like, you know, in the therapy space, there's Mm -hmm. room to talk about it, but there was so much shame, even just going through relationships that weren't successful and being like, but I'm going to help other people with their relationships. And yeah, so I, I learned so much in my training and my personal experiences and did so much of my own therapy and self-work that, um, I want to help other people with that in a lot of different ways now. So that's kind of what I do on the therapy side and the dating side. 
I love that. So quick sidebar story about Vanderbilt, because as soon as you said Vanderbilt, I had a immediate like gut reaction. My nervous system just sent up a flare because what's so funny to me is you are very, very vocal about the fact that you're a feminist, Mm -hmm. which I love, which made me immediately gravitate towards you. You're very good at putting your values in your, in your profile and your, so that people are attracted to you who share the same values, which we're going to talk about. Yes. So I was, I, I didn't realize you went to Vanderbilt, which is so funny because my biggest feminism moment happened at Vanderbilt, which is really? I got, yes, I got asked to leave the college tour for undergrad. I was toying um, with the idea of going there. I also loved mm-hmm. um, the music school there. I forget, it starts with a B, but um, I oh, that's going to drive me nuts. I Belmont. Belmont. Oh, oh, Belmont. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was looking at Nashville. And I got to the Vandy, uh, tour and was told that girls had to wear dresses to sporting events. And then it's in the rule book that you have to be invited by a male. And this was back in like 2006 or whatever it was. And that's not that long ago. That's not that long ago. (laughs) That's really disturbing. I did not know that. Right. So Mm. I little instigator feminist, Kelsey, raised my hand in the, in the info session. And I was like, hi, is this actually true? Or is this like an urban legend? And they were like, oh, sweetheart, you know, it's in there because it's tradition. And, you know, we've decided to keep it in because, you know, it's just, you know, the South, like it's just that old tradition and woe betide anyone who takes tradition away. Mm -hmm. And afterwards they like pulled me aside and they were like, we don't know that you're a fit. We don't, we don't think you need to come on the lack tour part, like bless your heart. So that's wow. my Vanderbilt story, which actually feeds wow. into what I want to ask you next, which yeah. is how does one embrace the feminine parts of oneself, mm-hmm. especially in romance and dating without losing the mm-hmm. feminist parts of oneself. Yeah. So for me, feminism is just like, you get to choose whatever you want, mm-hmm. like as a woman, um, and that everybody gets to choose whatever they want. Everybody has equal rights. So for me, um, I've struggled with this a bit, but I guess it, it just sort of feels like part of feminism is my choice to be, um, feminine without, that meaning that I'm not feminist. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. Cause yeah. I think that there's this incorrect, I, I don't know, stereotype that if you're a feminist, then, I mean, you immediately have a picture and you have like short hair and you don't look you're very brassy and you're, yeah, yeah. And like yeah. you're, you're liberal and loud and like, and all of that can be true. That's great. You can be that type of feminist. Absolutely. But being a feminist can also mean Mm-hmm. that you like pink and Love you, pink. yeah, yeah. Everything and, I own pink. yeah. And that, um, I think it can feel confusing sometimes for yeah. women who want to speak up about, well, I like pink and I also want to be paid the same as my male yeah. colleague. Yeah. I, like my color choices don't reflect my, uh, pay preferences. Right. Right. Man. Okay. So 
this would be a great moment to ask you to tell the story of your decision to put feminist in your own profile. I love this story so much. Okay. I was just thinking about that. Yeah. So I, okay. So I was dating on dating apps a few years ago before I met my partner and I, I actually was in a sort of eat, pray, love phase, if you will. And I was like, I'm not even looking for a relationship. Yeah. I know nothing um, about that. I know nothing yeah. about that. As I sit here in my Airbnb in the middle of wine country, single yeah. contemplating life every day. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I was fresh off a girl's trip and I was just like, I'm done. Uh, I was going out with, with men and finding that our conversations, even though I didn't want a relationship, I wanted to go out and meet people and have fun and not always lead to, to anything either. Just yeah. meeting new people and enjoying my that time. That is also okay. You guys. Yeah, exactly. Just because you're not looking for a relationship doesn't mean you're looking for a hookup or you're looking for sex. There's a lot of things in between. There's anyway, so many things in between. <laughs> yeah. I, I just got really tired of even talking with people and it really reduced the attraction physically that I had initially with folks when I would meet, meet up with them from the apps. And I was talking about feminism, or at the time I actually was helping a professor from my undergrad edit a book called Becoming Clitorate. So I was talking about like female sexuality and like literacy, like clitoris literacy. She actually, I love that on so many levels. A, we need to talk about the clitoris more. Yes. B, (laughs) um, it is forgotten. I love a good pun. I just, everything about that sentence just makes my heart so happy. (laughs) Yes. I was, so I was really like, I was in my own awakening of feminism and learning about female sexuality and the, and the feminist aspects of that and the patriarchal aspects of, of sex and all these things. So anyways, Mm -hmm. I would love to talk about these things. And then the guys were like, uh, what? (laughs) Or like, no, (laughs) men can't be feminists or they would challenge me about it. Oh God you know, I totally respect other people's opinions, but I just decided I didn't want to field them anymore. So you didn't want to field them anymore. Did I yeah. hear that correctly? Oh, I yeah. like that. Like you didn't want to have to, <laughs> you didn't want to mansplain to the men. Right. I didn't want to, you know, it's like, I didn't want to have to explain it or I didn't want to have to do, it wasn't something like some things are fun to debate, but that's a core value for me. That's just, you know, it's just not really fun for me to debate it. It's, it's my perspective and that's how I, it's really important to me and that's how I feel. So I decided, okay, I'm done with, I really don't want to meet up with anyone else who's not already on the same page as me. Cause it just was not fun. We'd meet up and we'd be like, chit-chatting and then we would get to deeper subjects and it was like oh we just like totally clash and then we yeah oh and it's weird so that wasn't fun (laughs) so I decided to this is where um, my strategy came in I decided like oh maybe if I put this in my dating app bio people will see it and then I can know when I'm swiping you know nobody puts anything informational in their bios but um even when I came across someone who had like a blank bio, I'm like, well, I'm attracted to them. And I'll assume that they've seen mine if we match. And now they know that I'm feminist, that I'm liberal, that I am like a thinker and a feeler and a wonderer, and I'm not religious. And I'm all these things that I put in my bio. Um, and then I also asked them like a question in the messages to say, do you consider yourself feminist? And that is what I call a weed out question. So this is like the strategy I, I did. I just like organically came up with it. Um, but it's based in my 
psychology training of, you know, learning what actually matters in a relationship, because I used to pick partners based on like, we both love tennis and we're both from Florida and like we have fun together. I mean, that's what we've been taught our entire lives. Do you like making money on autopilot? Thought so. That's why I am tickled pink to share one of our sponsors for Find Your Magic is my personal favorite platform, Kajabi, K-A-J-A-B-I, Kajabi. They are the number one most trusted knowledge commerce platform, and they have the most ways to directly monetize your content. So that means you can build and launch courses. You can have coaching programs, host your podcast. This podcast is coming to you from Kajabi right now. You can have memberships. There's so many ways to monetize content with Kajabi. And the reason I love them above other platforms is they make it so freaking easy. If you are technology averse like me, you are going to love how easy it is to just seamlessly create products and create marketing funnels all directly on one platform. You don't need to be connecting a million different things and tearing your hair out, trying to figure out why the cart isn't going to the email, isn't going to the analytics. Like it's just done. It's just all in Kajabi. It has seriously saved me so much time and so much money in my business. Can't recommend it highly enough. So pumped to be able to call them a sponsor. So go to kelseyformost.com slash Kajabi for a free 30-day trial of Kajabi's platform. That's kelseyformost.com slash K-A-J-A-B-I. Kajabi's awesome. Oh man. So as you're talking, thank you for sharing that. That's such, I love that story. And it's like the core of what I want people to walk away with today, um, Mm -hmm. is understanding your core values and being brave Mm -hmm. enough to communicate them. And that doesn't have to mean being aggressive about it. Mm -hmm. So, um, as you're talking, I'm going, Oh my God, this is exactly what I teach in copywriting. Like people are so afraid to narrow down in a niche, for example, they're really afraid that they are going to, um, repel all these potential clients and customers if they get really specific about how they communicate. Mm -hmm. And every single one of those people I tell, no, no, no. The more specific you get, the more you write, how you talk, the more you communicate your real values and who Mm -hmm. you really are, the more your ideal client is going to be attracted. And the people who don't want to pay you for your business aren't going to spend time on you. And that's what you want. You want to be specific. You want to be like the most authentic, accurate version of yourself and your business so that you're more likely to attract people who are buying what you're selling. Exactly. And it's the same thing with these dating apps. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, when I got into my own business this last year and I started learning about like the Instagram bio and, and niching down, that is part of what 
helped me see that this was a real strategy that I used that I could help other people with. And it's actually really similar to business in that way. Because when I made this strategy for myself four years, five years ago, I was like, I just want to find people who I connect with, not even a partner, just people I connect with. And I, I didn't plan on like, yeah, in five years, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll help other people do this too. You know, it's right. like totally spontaneous. So that was part of what helped me realize, wait, this could really be something that could help a lot of people oh is gosh, to attract yes. the, the dream partners as I call them and mm-hmm. then repel the rest of the people away. Because the other thing is dating apps get so exhausting when you're on them for a while. Many, many people, myself included, del- end up deleting them, redownloading them. You're swiping mindlessly because it's just like, there's, there's nothing to go on and it just feels like a crapshoot every time. So when you use a strategy where you're attracting the right people and repelling the wrong ones, it gets more efficient. It gets more easy. It gets more fun as well. Well, goodness knows. And Kelsey already knows this story and I'm deciding to vulnerably share it. Um, I took Kelsey's masterclass, master mini class, yeah, masterclass, masterclass, masterclass. Mm-hmm. And the dating app bio. So here's briefly for those of you who haven't been listening to the podcast for a while, welcome. Here's a very brief, uh, baseline of my story had a long-term relationship lived in Seattle with that partner, went through a very kind, um, breakup. That relationship was complete and, spent the last six months in San Diego in my childhood home with my mom, really taking my time, understanding who I really am without a relationship Mm -hmm. so that I can actually date with intention when I felt ready. Mm -hmm. And last month, thank you. I mean, that's, that's the thing is like, we're not often given the opportunity to pay attention. So often I think we end up in relationships and not just relationships, situations, jobs, cities, friendships, Mm -hmm. simply by default, because Mm -hmm. it's what was around us at the time. And it's just what we know. We Mm -hmm. don't actually have a lot of intention in all these different areas of our life. And once you start doing things with intention, and things start to fall into place, things mm-hmm. get more fulfilling. They are more aligned. There's more joy. Mm-hmm. And I wanted, I did that with my work and I wanted to start applying that in my relationships because I do want a long-term partner. I do want marriage. I do want kids. And so I thought I need, that's a long-winded way of saying, I want to do this with intention. I want to really pay attention to what are my core values and what do I really want in a partner for them, for their core values? What do I want them to value about me mm-hmm. so that we can co-create your word, a really yeah. fulfilling, beautiful partnership. Like that's the dream. Mm-hmm. And about a month ago, I started feeling ready and I came across your profile and mm-hmm. your masterclass. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to take this class. Like I, I'm so intimidated by the app thing. I've never been on it. I'm in my thirties, never, ever been on a dating app. Every relationship I've ever been in has been like, as I said, by default, mm-hmm. um, like a friend that turned into a long-term thing. Mm-hmm. And I cannot tell you how many freaking light bulb moments I had. And I just decided 
to be brave and do take your advice. And you already know within 20 minutes, I saw someone on the app and Mm -hmm. it was like undeniable fireworks where I was like that one, that like (laughs) that, because I noticed he put his values in his bio and they aligned with mine. And even if nothing comes of it, Mm -hmm. I feel really, um, like baseline secure, just even starting a conversation with this person because he already freaking knows where I stand. Exactly. Yeah. And this is it, right? It's like, people are so afraid to niche down in their, in their dating app bios (laughs) because they're like, they don't want to scare people away, but then it's, the only thing that you feel excited about ends up being surface level things that you have in common that tell us nothing about long-term compatibility. We know this in psychology, Mm -hmm. or it's like you're attracted to them, which does actually matter, but it's just not enough on its own. So when you have the bios and, or you have the values in your bio and he had it too, which is like such a unicorn. I know. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's a huge green flag that he even had put that much thought, but, um, it's this like, you're going to be so excited and flock to them. And he's going to be so excited and flock to you. And the people who are like, totally not feminist are going to just get themselves right out of the way. And you never even have to deal with them. So it's, it's kind of like you get one extreme or the other, but it's, it's a lot of good matches, which is the whole point. What would you say to someone who's listening, who's going, that all sounds fine and good, but I don't even know where I would start with like, what does that even mean? Putting my values in my bio. Yeah. So even the concept of values, like, uh, we're not taught that. So until I became trained as a therapist, I never even thought about like, Oh, what do I value in life? What's important to me? That's all that values are is what's important to you. So, I mean, you can sort of think about this on your own, like, hmm, is it family or friends, or is there a certain political affiliation, or like we've been talking about feminists, is it a a core value or a core identity? Um, That's one way to kind of get started, but in the masterclass, I go through an exercise that you saw us go through, you went through and participated in Yes. where I read a list of values and I help you identify them and narrow them down. So that's a really effective, like 10 minute exercise that's inside the masterclass that is really helpful. And honestly, I could not recommend the masterclass more. Even I I was talking to my best friend about this this morning. I was like, even if you're in a relationship, that was a really (laughs) valuable exercise. Like just taking the time to identify Mm -hmm. what's important to me and what's important to me that other people find attractive about me mm-hmm. because I think that something that was missing in past relationships for me is I would have a value. I would know that value, but it wouldn't necessarily be seen as something like particularly positive or wonderful by mm-hmm. my partner. Like it would, they would acknowledge it wasn't like it was a bad thing, but yeah you know, it's, they didn't like meet you there. Like, hell yeah. Well said. Feminism. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't meet me mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. So the prospect of, first of all, just having hope and believing that there are partners out there who do share the same values mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. this is okay. Can we talk about how toxic, um, the world is in the way that it speaks about dating in your thirties? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Because yeah. it's for awful. women, especially for women, especially yeah. 
so messed up. It's so messed up. Can you, can you therapize us through this a little? (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, I think your, your experience I'm sure is very similar to what I'm thinking, but it may be different. Let me know. Um, where once you enter your thirties, there's this biological ticking time bomb sort of thing. And people are, there's a lot of pressure maybe, or there people are asking a lot of questions about when are you going to be in a partnership or what about babies? Or is that kind of what you're talking about? That is absolutely what I'm talking about. Yeah. I don't think it's okay. I don't know why. I mean, I think there's a patriarchal component of this that makes it make sense, but, um, certainly. I think there's like, yeah, well, and even in addition to the biological clock piece, which is, you know, Mm -hmm. we have egg freezing, which is wonderful. If you have access to that, that's fantastic, but not Mm -hmm. everybody does have access to that. So have to be Mm -hmm. mindful. Um, but I, the, the piece that really is getting my goat is Mm -hmm. there are no good ones left. And it's like, yeah, like you have to be grateful and settle for someone who isn't, I mean, of course, no one's perfect. Yeah. 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 No one, woman, man, non-binary person, no one is perfect. Um, however, even just this one experience of finding one human man who shares my values was such a relief because I've been told nothing, but all the good ones are taken. And if they're, if they're in their thirties and still single, something's wrong with you, like women or men, you know, like, well, if you haven't found someone by now Mm -hmm. and it's so toxic and it's so incorrect, it's so incorrect. And I will say that I hear women in their twenties, even talking about like, you know, it, there's not a lot of, and you know, to some extent, this is true. There's not a lot of like non-toxic feminine, feminist men, Mm -hmm. non-toxic masculinity and feminist men that are progressive and have, you know, have these more feminist values that there's not that many of them. Mm. And that does, I mean, geographically, I can speak to that in the South. It is, Mm -hmm. it's harder to come by, especially geographically, but they're definitely out there. They are definitely out there. And there's, I always tell people there's more of them now than there ever have been. Right. Because we're in the most progressive time that we've ever been in. Yeah. So yeah, even just in general, this like lack mindset that people have around dating Mm -hmm. or will, will project onto you when you don't even have that mindset being in your thirties, you're like, what? It's fine. There's not that that's not even a factor and people are projecting it onto you. It's just a lack mindset. And actually there's plenty of great men out there and great people of all genders who want partnership, who would be very interested in you. You just have to do a little work to, you know, bring them in or call them in, as I say. Oh, I love that image calling them in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. My therapist said something that I was breaking down one day, a few months ago, where I was just like, I, about this exact thing where I was like, I Mm -hmm. just don't see, like, I've never met any person who like, besides my best girlfriends, like my core best girlfriends who are, who value the same things that I do. And I, because I've never seen that evidence, it's really hard for me to, um, like trust that that person's out there. Mm -hmm. And she said something so simple. That was so beautiful. She goes, well, you're out there. Mm. And like, 
somebody is going to meet you and be like, oh my God, what a relief. Thank God she's out there. And it was just such a nice thing to be like, yeah, I, I can stand firm in, in my knowledge that I'm a really great partner and, uh, and I'm out there. So who's to say that someone like me isn't also out there. Totally. Of course. I love that. That is beautifully simple. I love that. This podcast is sponsored by Better Help. So I got back into therapy during COVID last year, and I cannot recommend enough running your issues by a professional licensed therapist. Even if you think, oh, my problems aren't that big, or even if you're really going through something and struggling, having a professional therapist to really help you navigate those times is invaluable, which is why I am so happy to share that our sponsor betterhelp.com is a platform that I personally deeply believe in. So they are an online therapy platform. And what they do is they assess your needs and then they match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating with that therapist within 48 hours. And by the way, it's not a crisis line. It is and it's not self-help it's professional therapy. It's just done securely via an online platform. So there's no waiting in crummy waiting rooms with a couch that your butt sinks into, right? (laughs) You get timely and thoughtful responses. Anytime you log into your account and send a message to your therapist, and you can also schedule weekly video or phone sessions. They're committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches So they make it really easy and totally free if you ever want to switch from one therapist to another that might be a better fit. The other thing I love about BetterHelp is they make therapy affordable for everybody. It is one of the easiest, most affordable online therapy tools that I have ever seen. And not only that, but they also have a financial aid program available for anyone who needs it. So if you want 10% off your first month of therapy, go to BetterHelp, that's H-E-L-P.com slash findyourmagic. You can also use the code findyourmagic at checkout for that 10% off. Find your magic, all one word. And all of this will be in the show notes below. So head to betterhelp.com slash findyourmagic. I would love to know, um, how you came to focus on dating when you were getting your degree in therapy. So you're a, you're a licensed therapist, you have Mm -hmm. therapy clients. Mm -hmm. So how did you find your way to this particular niche? Yes. I, I mean, I've always been fascinated by relationships, always dissected my parents' relationship growing (laughs) up, which now I know as a therapist, like, Oh, I'm not really supposed to do that. Fine. Um, but I remember like my best friend in middle school had like a golf cart in her little community neighborhood, which was like, so cool. We were 15 (laughs) and we would drive around for eight hours on a Saturday or Sunday. And we would just talk about like who we liked and if we thought they liked (laughs) back and we would dissect and over, I'm classically an overanalyzer. And I've really learned to step out of that. And it's more like, we can't know what they think. And like, we are not that concerned with what. (laughs) the boy who you've never talked to thinks about you. Right. But like, 
<laughs> so I've grown a lot from that time, obviously, but I have always just been super fascinated by it. And then having my own trials and tribulations with dating and being like, damn it, why didn't this work? Like, mm. what was it him? Was it me? And we're in this very dichotomous society where breakups typically are spoken about like, oh, it was him or it was you. Like there's not a dialectic of, well, you know, of course you both were right and you both were wrong about certain things or it just wasn't a good fit. Like just, there's so much that nobody helps us with or teaches us about relationships. So I had with every failed relationship was like, what was it this time? Like just agonizing, trying to figure it out. And so when I got to learn as a therapist about what makes a healthy relationship and things like that, which even there, there's not a structure for learning about. It's kind of like you learn a little in this class and you learn a little in this class. And then you have a conversation with this colleague and it it comes together over time. Um, But I started to be like, holy shit, I get it now. Oh, I see. There's this like emotional maturity thing. And oh, what really matters is like conflict resolution and communication and different things like this that I was not looking for or values, And so, yeah, I've just always been fascinated with, I guess, trying to figure out like how to have a healthy relationship. And now that I have, I'm so passionate about helping other people because we still don't teach anyone this. Like I always say we should have learned this instead of geometry. And I know there's some people who are actually using geometry. (laughs) I'm not. I would rather a relationship course. Oh my gosh. Kelsey, yeah. so if I, just I that, wasn't like, tied to this desk, I would give you a standing <laughs> ovation right now. <laughs> uh, thank you. It's so true yeah. though. God, I, that was such a gut punch, um, in so many mm-hmm. ways where I was listening, going like, yep, done that. Yep. Done mm-hmm. that. And totally have done the, why isn't this, wor- what, why mm-hmm. couldn't I make this work? Right. What's wrong with me. And that's, right completely the wrong narrative. Um, I also someone, when I went through my breakup, they gave me this little snippet that I've taken and would love to share with the audience, which is that, um, sometimes relationships don't fail. Like that word is actually very charged Mm -hmm. and not always accurate. And, And in fact, almost never accurate. Um, maybe the relationship is just complete. I love, I noticed that you said that earlier and I actually meant to point that out that I love that you use that language. Um, and I use the word fail when I talk about it, but I, I am totally right there with you. I actually don't agree with that paradigm. And that's part of what I try to help my single people see is that when it doesn't work out, it's just like, you like pizza and they like chicken wings. It's like, (laughs) no, it's just not, it's just not a fit, but nobody's lesser or better or worse or and how many times have we stayed in relationships when they like pizza and we like chicken wings and we've Mm -hmm. just tried to pretend that we like pizza so that they stay Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. never too many times so many times so much unwanted pizza yes (laughs) yeah I would love to before I let you go, you said something, um, that really made my radar ping, which was, you said conflict resolution and, um, things that are a good predictor of long-term success Mm -hmm. in addition to conflict resolution. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you could 
give us to walk away with of like, here are some things that are important to look for if you're looking for success with a long-term partnership. Totally. Yeah. So conflict resolution skills. So like just noticing as you go uh, on with someone that you're dating, like how, what happens when you guys get in your first little tiff or you have something that bothers you or they do, how is that brought up? And um, what is that communication like? So having like the ability to be calm and respectful and use eye language. And these are all skills that you have to go out and learn. Like nobody knows this, you know? Yeah. So if you're sitting here like, oh my, what even is the eye language? You know, we talk about it in my course, I'll see too. <laughs> but um, yeah, so clear communication and conflict resolution, emotional maturity, which those are part of that. And there's a lot of other little things that I go into in my course with that one too. Emotional availability, you would think would be a given, but that's one that people don't always look for. Can you explain that term a little bit? Cause that's yeah. not one that I'm familiar with as familiar. Oh, so have you ever heard of like someone being emotionally unavailable? Yes. Yeah. So it's just the opposite. So a lot of people are attracted to people who are emotionally unavailable. What? And who me? <laughs> <laughs> me also. It's like for some reason they are like, no, I, I don't really have space for you or I'm not giving you a lot of attention. And we're like, I want you more. Like, yeah, which is perfect storm. Yep. Yeah. So looking for like indicators that are the opposite of that. So it's, it's a lot of the same overlapping stuff. Like they're not afraid to tell you how they feel. They, it's very reciprocal. Like you're reaching out, they're reaching out. It's not like this one way thing. You don't feel like you're chasing them. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of things that, um, are little signs that we can look for. And so that's more of what I teach in my next course, which is the magnetic dating lab, where we go into how to do some of this self-work so that you are good with yourself before you get into a relationship or while you're dating. And you're not like, like, what's the difference between having an emotional need and being needy and those kind of things. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, I want to dig into that so bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so a lot of women are afraid to be needy or clingy. Oh my and that goes right back into being afraid to own what you want. Like, is that going to be too much? Is that going to seem too needy or desperate? You know, and there's ways to word things so that it doesn't, but there are times where we are expecting someone too soon or even in a long-term relationship to regulate our emotions. And it's not theirs to regulate. Like partners can be there for each other, but they there are times where your partner may say, I don't have the bandwidth for this. And that's fair. Or you're so early on in a relationship where you're starting to put your emotions on them because you're getting scared. Like it's too soon to tell what's going to happen. Are they going to leave? Is this going to work out? And that's totally normal for it to be anxiety provoking. But mm -hmm. some of the behaviors we engage in in that time end up being very reassurance seeking and they actually push the person away. So we go into all of that of how to basically feel really secure in yourself. So those kind of things don't happen. And also how to make sure beyond the dating app that you are continuing to assess people. So on the app, you're like, oh, feminist check this, that. But in real life, like, do what's their communication like? What's their conflict resolution like? What are all these things like um, beyond the apps? Like yeah. healthy versus unhealthy partnership and looking for those signs. Oh man, sign me up. And this is your, <laughs> yeah. this is, what's the name of this one? It's again? magnetic, the magnetic dating lab. Yeah. Right. So the and idea is we're magnetically attracting people when we are securing ourselves and we fantastic. know what we Fantastic. And yeah. that is currently available or going to be available soon. 
what I'm not sure when this podcast comes out, but I'm dropping it. I think next week I might not be able to wait that long and I'm considering dropping it on Friday. So it'll be live before this podcast goes. So you guys, you can go to Kelsey's profile. I'll put everything in the show notes below, um, so that you can access her, her course. Cause if it's anything like her masterclass, which was only an hour long, my God, like I, I feel like it's going to be such valuable self-work in addition to, to being open to dating. And here's the thing, like one thing that I've learned this year is you never know when the thing you learned is going to come in handy. Like just because you might not feel super ready to date right now, or you might feel like just barely dipping your toes in the water. Mm-hmm. You might be thinking, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't take a whole class on, you know, long-term relationship success and dating and all of that. But I actually argue, but I'm also a research nerd. Like I'm such a <laughs> nerd. People call me the Hermione Granger of copywriting. So, oh my gosh, I love that. Right. Me too. It tracks. Yeah. So <laughs> I can see it too. Physically like the physical. Yeah. <laughs> Harry, when you doubt, <laughs> go to the library. Um, Thank you. <laughs> 10 years as an actress, it better be. Um, yeah. But I think uh, research is so valuable and like, it's even more valuable sometimes if you don't have skin in the game. Like yeah. I yeah. was reading so many books over the past six months or, or the six months before my breakup that mm-hmm. led me to understand that the breakup was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think taking that time to invest in yourself, to learn how you want to show up in the world, to learn what your values are that are important to you, to understand what to look for when you do feel ready. Mm-hmm. It's so valuable. So I would highly encourage you to check out Kelsey's class, even if you're feeling nervous, not ready, scared, all of the above. And the other thing I always tell people too, is if you've, so sometimes what happens is people are single and they're like, Oh yeah, I want to take this class or I want to do like some self-work on this. And then they find a partner and they're like, "Never mind, It's all fine. I found someone. (laughs) And actually the self-work still needs to continue. I, I talked about this on my Instagram, um, probably about a month ago, like a time very early in my partner and I's relationship where I had an urge to check his phone and it was right there and I did it. And it was just like my own insecurity coming up Mm. and I never did it again. I went and was like, well, that was a wake up call. Let me go work on it. And the guilt ate me alive. And I told him about it and he was, you know, very understanding, but he was like, yeah, I need you to go work on this. So I was like, yeah. So, you know, when we just, cause we find someone, our own insecurities, our own stuff, it doesn't go away. It actually ramps yeah. up because it's your nervous system is engaged. Your attachment style comes right out. Like that's where it can get very sticky. So even if you're kind of like seeing somebody, I recommend it even more on the this is side. such a light bulb moment for me. And yeah. like literally right now, yeah, I'm my mind is blown because I literally had a thought this morning. So post breakup, I got like very emotionally healthy. I've, Mm -hmm. and I've been meditating every morning almost. And I got really, really good at being able to just turn off the thoughts and have this clear head. And, um, it's been such a like wonderful grounding new habit for me. Yeah. And since meeting this person on 
stumble, um, my, I've found it almost impossible to sit down and meditate. And my brain is just this constant ticker tape of like, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, Mm-hmm. Um, and not even necessarily about him or relationships, but just in general, like mm-hmm. what am I work stuff or, uh, following up with people, friends, whatever. And that is so interesting that you say it actually makes you more vulnerable and it actually ramps up the insecurities because now there's something that makes so much sense. Cause you're yeah. vulnerable again, all of a sudden. Totally. Yeah. Dating is triggering. It's just triggering for a lot of people. I mean, if you've ever had a relationship before, and if you haven't, either way, dating is super scary, super vulnerable, and it's triggering of our attachment stuff. Like we all have an attachment style. This is becoming very trendy to talk about, but it's a very, you know, psychology therapy thing. And a lot of people have an anxious attachment style, which means you get really, really excited and you want to connect and you want to be connected with people. And then you get really scared and you like want to push them away and you freak out or you have a panic attack or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then we have our avoidant people too, who just kind of keep people at an arm's length. And then they have a hard time connecting even though they want connection too. And yeah, yeah. So people behave very strangely early on in relationships because if they haven't done their own work, um, okay. you know, people get scared. It's like the fear of commitment, all of that stuff it comes out. It's just like so involuntary and it's so frustrating when it does, but yeah, if you do your own work before or in the early stages, like I did, it can really, um, you know, really help. I love really secure Like the success of the relationship or make it more, more likely. I love that. And one thing I do want to leave people with here is something that, um, I've taken away from my meditation practice and applied mm-hmm. it here, which is, um, just the act of noticing is mm-hmm. so it's such a small, easy thing. And I think a lot of people shy away from doing this kind of work because they think it just feels so insurmountable and scary. Mm-hmm. And so when you break it down into these bite-sized, easy things that you can just start to slowly incorporate into the way that you move through the world, simply noticing for me that, oh, Mm -hmm. I'm having an anxious thought. Oh, Mm -hmm. I'm not in the present right now. I'm ruminating on the past or, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm actually perfectly safe right now, but my nervous system is activated. Mm -hmm. Just naming it. It like takes the power away from the thing. Yeah. I love that. I tell people think about being like the people in inside out. Have you seen that movie? Yeah. Yeah. You're like in the control panel of your brain and you're like, "Mm, there's an anxious thought. What would I like to do with that? I could let it take me away and like, we could go down a rabbit hole or I could just let it be there and it could go about my day, which is not like, oh my God, get rid of it. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Because it's going to come back. Getting anxious about your anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. Yeah. Just noticing is enough often to be like, okay, well, it just makes us feel more in control. It creates that space between your emotion or your thought and yourself instead yeah. of, Oh my God, it, I'm just anxious. It's like, Oh, I noticed that I'm having anxiety, which again, it's just that space. Yeah. Yeah. I'll see. Thank you so much. This yeah. is the best. I know. I feel like I could talk to you for hours. I want to go into yeah. like attachment styles and I know and all of all that jazz. Things. So we'll have to have another episode with you one of these days, but for now, thank yeah. you so much for being thank here and you. having this vulnerable, but like 
wonderfully fun conversation. I'm so excited about how many people are going to benefit from learning about you and hearing this conversation. That shit grateful for you. I love that. I've never heard that before. That's great. No, this is so fun. I could talk about it for hours. So yes, I'll have to come back. Yes, please do. All right, Magic Makers, all of Kelsey's information on her masterclass and her course are in the show notes below. You can find her on Instagram at Kelsey Wonderland. Is that yeah. correct? So yep. It's spelled just like your name, Kelsey, <laughs> and then W-O-N-D-E-R-L-I-N. Love it's a it. fun last name. It's My a partner, very fun last name. He's actually probably going to take it because we agree. I love that. Smash the patriarchy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm so excited that I don't have to give up my name. <laughs> That's okay. I know. I love my name too. My last name is foremost. And I feel yeah. like I want to, I want to keep that one forever. Yeah, I like it. So good. Kelsey first and foremost, Kelsey in Wonderland. I love that. Look at us. All right, guys, magic makers. Thank you for being here. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you did and feel so moved, please let us know that you liked it in the uh, review section. We always love hearing from you. DM me, Kelsey or Kelsey, the guest. Let us know if you have any extra questions about dating and mental health and how it can relate to your everyday life and your business, all the things we are here for you. So Take care, everybody, and we'll talk to you next time. Hey, Magic Maker. If you made it to the end of this episode, it means you're truly committed to inviting more magic into your life. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and follow Find Your Magic on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to this stuff. Each review truly means so much to me. Thank you for being here. Now go out there and find your magic.